The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I'm your co-host, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster Peggy Kaczynski, now at ESPN 1000 in Chicago. I'm the baby boomer, and I'm the mom. Ooh, fresh intro, mom. I'm Jason Canander. I'm a sophomore at the University of Texas at Austin. I host shows for Texas Student Television. I'm also an associate producer for Texas Student Television. Now that baseball's back, I will be writing articles for Southside Sox, SB Nation. Really looking forward to that. Look for some of my content. You can follow me on Twitter right there, at Jason Canander, and I am Generation Z. I love it. Hey, thank you everyone who has followed us on YouTube, our website, and listening wherever you get your audio podcasts as well. Don't forget to download, follow us, and tell your friends. So, Jason, this episode is all about college basketball. It's your favorite time of the year. Tell us why you're so excited right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's let's see what date it is today. It is March 14th, and that means we are just a couple short days away from the NCAA tournament, which is always my favorite time of the year. I always love filling out brackets. I only fill out one bracket. I think that's something that's very important to note. You know, like I, I get this, oh, well, here's my upset bracket. Here's my real bracket. No, you get one bracket. I only do one every year. I think that's how it should be. But, yeah, it's uh, NCAA tournament time. Selection Sunday was yesterday. Texas A&M did not make the tournament, so I'm very happy about that. It's a great time of year. I don't know how you can't love this time of year, especially as a college basketball aficionado like myself. Who do you have to winning it all? <laughs> I really – that's the one thing I don't fully know right now. Um, I, I liked Purdue a lot during the season, and just, of course, Purdue would be slated to play Texas in the second round um, if Texas could escape Virginia Tech. So that's a conflict of interest. Um, right now I still have Duke, even though they did not look good in the Ooh, conference. They look terrible. I, uh, I'm a big fan of their size. I think that their scoring guards, Jeremy Roach and Wendell Moore, have quite a bit of potential. And uh, – Paulo Bancaro, he's the last big one-and-done era true freshman of Coach K's coaching career and certainly hasn't lived up to the hype in their biggest games against North Carolina or Virginia Tech. But I don't really see this ending of any other way than Coach K leaving as a champion. And until Duke, until the clock runs out and the final buzzer sounds and Duke has fewer points than the team that they're playing against, I'm going to wait. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to take Duke. Wow. I don't have a, I don't have a pick for the men's side, but I did pick Texas on the women's side. Great team. Yeah. Purely, purely uh, back in the Jody Conrad days. And uh, because you go to Texas. So uh, I did that. That's yes. I'm one of those people. That's how I decided to do my bracket. DePaul (laughs) women. I'm looking on the women's side here. DePaul women. um, They got the play in game, which is great. Um, That's, that's going to be hard for them. I don't see them going past uh, 
they will win to continue in. Mom, but, what do you uh, think about 68 teams on the women's side? I love it. I think I it's even, great. Did they even do a playing game in the past? No, they haven't. It, it's always yeah, been half exactly. of the half the size of the men's bracket. The only way you are going to give more schools an opportunity to compete is to invite more of them to the tournament so that more high school basketball players are given exposure to these teams. It's the only way. The, one of the biggest problems in women's basketball was the disparity. It was, you know, the first top 10, and then you went from 11 down, and there was just a huge gap. So this is the only way they're going Good to point. be able to close the gap. And the other way they close the gap is when people actually bet money on them. And you actually go to the books on the women's tournament. Once the women's tournament starts making more money, uh, more money is poured into the programs and the teams are able to turn around and recruit more players. So. And another, another thing I want to say about that really quick, as a college student, I am obviously exposed to sports betting a lot. And to all those people, whether it be on Twitter or that I hang out with and you're always asking me for my bets, those are usually the same type of people that are like, oh, I'm not going to watch a women's tournament because every game's a blowout. Well, if every damn game's a blowout, then take the favored team in every game and watch it and see if you make money or not. One, exactly. you probably won't make money. Two, you'll enjoy it. If you yep. need to incentivize yourself by betting on a sport to watch it, do it because you can for the women, and it probably actually is more profitable than the men's. There's less money going on it, so the lines aren't fluctuating. The lines aren't moving around. You're going to get an honest line and a better chance to hit your bet than in most of the men's tournament games. Exactly right. Yeah. And that that's the whole point. And the more people that start betting on women's sports as well. The more competitive it'll get, the more engaging it'll get, the more attention it'll get. Exactly right. I've been big into saying that betting is going to be this next big sports mechanism. And I think that the women's game, especially college basketball-wise, would be stupid to not take advantage of that. Because I think that there's a very, very big connection right there and a whole lot of potential. Speaking of potential... Uh, this whole name, image, and likeness issue right now, not even a full year into it. And we are going to see athletes that you might follow on social media playing in the NCAA tournament. So this makes this a very interesting topic as well. This tournament, as we start watching it, is going to have more athletes, men and women, who are actually profiting, making money on their name, image, and likeness. So let's reach out to someone who knows a lot more about this than we do. Darren Heitner is joining us now. He teaches sports law, owns the Sports Agents blog, author of How to Play the Game, and a name, image, and likeness advocate. Darren, thank you so much for joining us. There's so much going on with NIL right now. So let me start with, as we watch the tournament, what do you find the most interesting when it comes to these athletes who are now making money off of their name, image, and likeness? Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. And we're roughly eight months into athletes at the collegiate level, finally, for the first time, having the capacity to earn money off of their fame. And what we've seen in the first eight months is that the vast majority of the deals surround college football players. And interestingly, the next category of of individuals who are receiving these types of deals are women's basketball players. But I think that's about to shift a bit as we enter March Madness and the NCAA tournaments. We're starting to see a lot more college basketball players on the men's side have these deals presented to them. And I think we're going to see a lot more in between now And when March Madness actually kicks off, which is only a few days away, we've already seen in the past couple of days the 
uh, headphone manufacturers jump in. Like Beats by Dre just announced a few athletes that they're doing deals with. And we just heard this morning uh, that Bose has signed three athletes as well. One female basketball player and two male basketball players, one at Gonzaga, one at Duke. And I, and I know that we're going to see other big brands get into the fold and decide that they're finally going to do some NIL deals surrounding the NCAA tournament because there's so many eyeballs that are focused on uh, the events that will be coming up over the next few weeks. Exactly. So I want to explain that your NIL value is basically calculated on your social media, right? Mm -hmm. On the number of followers you have, um, your engagement, the sport that you're playing. So I I, got to back up here. The women's basketball, I find that fascinating that they are number two in the top NIL compensation. But I'm wondering if a lot of that has to do with relatively unknown in the college basketball world, the Cavender Twins. Their story is unbelievable. If you're familiar with them, tell us about their story. And I'm going to guess that they are quite the majority of the money in NIL that's go- that people are saying is in women's basketball. Well, interestingly, and I don't know if you knew this leading into this uh, conversation, but I've lived through everything with the Cavender Twins since July 1, and actually roughly a week or two prior to July 1, 2021, uh, when I first communicated with their parents who were vetting me as to whether or not I should work with them as their legal counsel. So I've seen what has occurred behind the scenes for the roughly eight months, and it's nothing short of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. As of July 1, on that very first day, they were flown to New York City to Times Square to promote Boost Mobile, a major brand, on day one. And then since that day, we've seen new offers come in almost every day over eight months. And uh, from small startup brands to very established, you know, Fortune 500 companies. Uh, and, And just within the past week. I've looked at, I think, three to five new deals with major brands and a lot of compensation on the line. So, uh, yes, the Cavender Twins, uh, they are the exception because going into July 1, 2021, together they had, I think, roughly three million followers on TikTok and roughly another 600, 700,000 followers on Instagram, which has only grown since then. Then I think they're roughly at uh, about four million followers now on TikTok. And so, what you mentioned earlier, yes, social media, by and large, in, in most of these deals, play a very instrumental role in determining whether or not a brand wants to associate with the athlete and how much to spend on the athlete. Obviously, the specific deliverables, whether the athletes um, are engaging beyond just their followings, um, their looks, their performance on the field, on the court, etc. I mean, th- there's various factors that play a role, but social media tends to be the easiest deliverable, especially for athletes who are mid-season, to perform on. And so brands respect that. They know that they can get a lot of value from authentic, interesting, creative uh, videos and photography. And that's where the predominant focus has been thus far. I know Jason has some questions, but I just have to ask you, are the Cavender Twins the uh, I, making the most, I guess, on, on the women's side of women's sports? And can you give us a, an, a figure of around what they might be making on NIL? I predicted back in the beginning in July 1 of last year that uh, they would make over a million dollars or or they'd hit a million dollars within a calendar year. Um, They're close to it already. So, you know, I I think that they're easily seven figures within the first calendar year. And 
you know, perhaps even getting close to 2 million. I remember there was an, an article early on, and I forget which publication, uh, but, a, but a periodical that's close to their school that argued they'd be making more money than the school president. And I think they probably already surpassed that number. So it's, it's quite amazing. As far as other female athletes, um, I know Olivia Dunn, the gymnast at LSU, has done quite well thus far. Paige Eukers uh, at, at Connecticut, she's done very well, the basketball player. I know that there's just, as I mentioned, Bo's just signed um, a female basketball player, Aaliyah Boston, at South Carolina, who's probably doing well. But certainly the Cavender twins have been the queens of NIL, as I call mm. them, and that's not ending anytime soon. I think that my first first question really comes from the timing of all of this, at least right now, because the timing from an advertising standpoint, from a business standpoint, is obviously very advantageous because it's coming right up on the tournament, but maybe for the players it's not as advantageous because – this is a time where they're at their highest level of focus. And then immediately after the tournament, these guys are either going to decide to play pro, decide to stay in school or go overseas. So what does the timing play into it other than the obvious of the tournaments coming up next week? Yeah, no, I think that's, that, that's a very good point, right? The last thing that an athlete who is entering into the NCAA tournament wants to do is detract from his or her attention and create any sort of commotion or controversy in the locker room. And fortunately, we haven't seen any of that in the first eight months of NIL. Uh, but it's something to certainly be cognizant of, and, and I'm sure athletes are, and, and brands as well. I, I don't think that brands are asking too much of the athletes. A big deliverable is actually really what NIL is all about, which is granting these companies the right to use the image, the likeness, the names of the athletes in their own advertising, on their own packaging, um, but to the extent that the athletes are going to be involved uh, in providing their own deliverables surrounding the NCAA tournament, as I mentioned, it's going to be primarily social media because it's easy. Um, and a lot of the content that the athletes will post will be what the brands are providing them to post. And so they don't have to spend that much time on content creation. That's a distinguishing factor with the Cavender Twins. They really create all of their content from scratch um, and they know what their, their fans and followers want. Um, interestingly, with regard to timing, a lot of these athletes who are doing deals right now going into the tournament, as you mentioned, are going to ultimately go pro and nothing had prevented them from doing deals post enrollment in the past. So we're going to see many of these prominent athletes go from doing NIL deals to more traditional professional NIL deals and do and sign shoe deals and and the like as as soon as they decide to put their names into the draft. Where does NIL play into bringing back college sports video games? And is that something that's going to look like each individual player gets compensated or maybe the programs get compensated? How does building that back up work? Yeah, the only way to do that well and effectively is through group licensing. So what we see on the professional level with video games, they will contract through the players associations and Sometimes you'll, you will play a game and you won't see the actual player's name in the game. And that's because a player decides to opt out from that group licensing uh, scenario. But by and large, what happens is the players associations contract with the video game manufacturers and then the players will split the royalties amongst themselves. I think what's happening now is something similar. You have groups that are trying to organize college athletes so that there can be similar types <laughs> of group licensing in place. We've seen it on a college by college basis, which is why we're starting to see jerseys being sold with athlete names on their backs. 
um, and the athletes earn a royalty on each sale. Uh, from a video game perspective, it's a bigger challenge because obviously you want to grab all of the athletes in the ecosystem, um, and it's going to require all of them signing up and agreeing to split the royalties that come from that. Uh, so it's going to take time, but I think it's possible. It doesn't have to be through a union. It can be through a more loosely organized trade association. And behind the scenes, it's being worked on. Absolutely. Back to our conversation in a minute. But first, have you ever dealt with bunions? I have. It got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the Sklar Bunionectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you can be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. On the men's side, is it Shaquille O'Neal's son, Sharif, who is the the highest compensated um, male athlete? Right. I saw. Is it possible three million dollars he's already made in, in NIL? It's hard to say, right? I, uh, the athletes have um, disclosure obligations where they're supposed to be providing uh, the contracts to their respective um, institutions. And so really it would only be the institutions that are aware of exactly how much the athletes uh, have made or are expected to make throughout the term of the contracts. Uh, otherwise, it, it's just athletes deciding or brands deciding to report those figures publicly. And uh, I'm sure the vast majority of these deals, at least the ones that I've worked on, have confidentiality terms attached to them. So a lot of it's speculation as to how much money some of these athletes have made or or will make in the future. Um, But I I wouldn't doubt that someone who has so many followers like Shaq's son um, is able to command a massive amount of attention and offers coming his way. So how does it work with NCAA rules in place where, you know, you can't sign with an agent, but yet you would highly, highly recommend having legal counsel like yourself. Is that not having an agent? Is it the difference being having a a marketing person that's helping you legal counsel for marketing? You know, it seems like it's a, it's a very delicate line to, to cross or not cross. So interestingly, when the States, including my state of Florida passed an NIL, bill and ultimately had it signed into law, those NIL pieces of legislation included a carve out that allowed um, agents to work with college athletes in procuring and negotiating these types of contracts, these NIL deals. And then on June 30, 2021, one day prior to all these states about to make their laws effective, the NCAA actually even changed its own rules. So it is allowed now. Agents who are licensed in the states uh, where they are representing athletes can represent athletes for uh, college athletes for that specific uh, set of facts, which would be 
finding the deals, negotiating the deals only for NIL. They cannot sign these athletes to the traditional standard representation agreement for football or a standard player agent contract for professional basketball players. If these agents end up working with those players later on in their professional capacity, that's fine. They can sign them to those agreements later on. They just can't do that while the players are in college, but they can sign very NIL-specific representation agreements with the athletes now. So can you sign before you declare where you're going to school? Because I would think if you did that, there might be a school that has a great relationship with, you know, this company and they say, hey, go sign this person. We really want them to come to our school. It seems like that could get into a very gray area. Well, that would be a problem, and it brings to mind issues surrounding the college basketball scandal that happened a few years ago where some people actually went to jail involving Adidas and managers and coaches at, at various schools uh, on, on the college basketball side. But technically, there's nothing that prohibits an agent who is licensed in the proper jurisdiction where the athlete is participating to represent that athlete. And in some jurisdictions currently, high school athletes can earn money off of their fame, California being a major jurisdiction where that's possible. So no, there's not a, a, a general prohibition. Wow. That amazes me that, I mean, on the one hand, you look at them and say, some of these kids really, really could use the money, but mm -hmm. some of these kids could be very vulnerable to some bad influences at the same time. They could, um, you know, at the same time, consider a state like California where there are so many child actors who are making ah. so much money at an early age and there's nothing that prohibits them from having talent agents. So I guess the same thing could be said about very talented athletes who can command these dollars from brands. Why should they be prevented from doing so and why should we restrict them from having capable, strong representation in the form of agents? In any jurisdiction, it would be very wise for the parties to not only sign contracts if, if the, if the uh, athlete is under age of majority, but also have it confirmed by a court of law. I think that the thing that a lot of people worried about when NIL first came in was that it would turn players towards particular schools, kind of like you mentioned, Mom, that some advertisers might have better reputation, better experience with a certain university. ETC. Do you think that this is actually ever going to get to the point where NIL sort of determines or at least turns players in a certain direction? Because I don't think it's going to go as far as turning super, or creating super teams in college like some people originally speculated. But I do think that there is probably a way that endorsements can turn players to sign in the same spot or maybe sign together. So do you think that there's any way that this can be used to put players on the same team or are those two independent factors? Well, in the, in the past few days, The Athletic reported uh, that there was a multi-million dollar offer made by a collective, which is not directly tied to a university, but at least loosely tied, um, offering a player that much money. Uh, now, it doesn't say that it's contingent on the athlete specifically enrolling at a university, but I think people can put two and two together. And so if, if this specific athlete who is obviously a five-star recruit for 2023, decides to go to that specific school after that offer was made, does that raise eyebrows? Does it cause the NCAA to in, engage in a full investigation and potentially take action? Because one thing that the NCAA is very concerned about is that NIL is not used as an inducement to cause an athlete to enroll at a specific university. 
So as time goes by, and again, being roughly eight, nine months in, we're seeing individuals, companies decide to play a little bit more loose and, and, and take chances and see how far that they can go before there is some sort of punitive action. And thus far, at least, the NCA has done relatively nothing. Yeah, that, that now that somewhat <laughs> that somewhat surprises me. I think that my next question has to be: uh, Where do you see this going from here? I think that NIL is something that a lot has been accomplished and developed in less than a, less than a year since it's been introduced. Um, where do you see NIL going? Let's say three to five years from now. Well, I don't know that it's necessarily going anywhere. I think what what happened July one is that the floodgates were open. And that athletes were just put on the same exact playing field as every other individual, be music or art, et cetera, or just influencers, which has obviously developed as an industry over the past decade or so. So I don't know that, that it necessarily goes anywhere. I think what, what will happen, though, is within the next two, three years, you'll see more brands decide to jump in, whereas they were originally quite timid in the, in the first few months. We're already starting to see it more established traditional big brands deciding we need to be involved in this because we're losing uh, a, a real opportunity here um, not only to benefit from a return on investment but to associate with athletes early in their careers and maybe there'll be some brand affinity when they go pro but i think it's just going to look more and more like what's existed on the professional level for all of eternity which is just a, a free market where athletes are able to command their fair market value and Darren, one area that's interesting that is really heating up is athletes with NFTs, correct? How does that, how does that work? That's, a, that's amazing how fast that is picking up. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, non-fungible tokens, NFTs have really grown over the past five years. And I've been fortunate to play a, a big role as a lawyer with a lot of NFT projects and then also with a lot of athletes who are getting involved in these NFT projects. And um, I think there's immense opportunities there. Uh, the NFT world has largely developed as sort of a, mainly around the NFTs being collectibles. And to the extent that continues, I think it presents really great opportunities for athletes outside of the traditional trading card deals that they would sign. So, um, I, you know, as long as there's a market there for NFTs, I think that's, that's an area that will conti- continue to develop and grow for, for NIL. Darren, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Last bit of last question for you is what advice do you give to uh, the athletes or their families that are looking to try to cash in on name, image and likeness? How do how do they start? Well, I think the best the best idea for anyone who's looking to capture the opportunities from NIL is to not be so overly focused on the commercialization of your fame. I mean, focus on being an amazing athlete. Focus on doing well in school. There are many brands that I work with that are very interested in only working with individuals who have strong academics. Um, build your social media profile. Don't do anything that's going to harm your reputation. Be very engaging. Communicate with your followers because if it's all one way, you'll find that it's very difficult to grow your brands organically and Brands are looking at all of the metrics, not just following. So I think it's it's balance is also very important, never focusing too much on brand building or focusing too much on athletics so that it takes away from the other areas. 
boy, Jason, I had no idea that name, image, and likeness was going to take off as much as it has after listening to Darren Heitner. It is, it's really unbelievable. And it's not the biggest athletes always. It's not your top football player. It's not your top basketball players. I mean, look at the Cavender twins. Look at Sharif O'Neal. I mean, it's crazy, right? Now, I think that one thing that we didn't maybe talk about as much, and I know that Darren touched on it a little bit, is looks does play into this quite a bit. I think that with the Cavender twins, it's somewhat obvious. He mentioned a LSU gymnast, Olivia Dunn. Everybody in my age knows who who knows who Olivia Dunn is because of what she looks like. So obviously TikTok plays a lot into it. Between Livy Dunn, the Cavender Twins, there are a lot of male track athletes too that get a lot of attention and get a lot of NIL interests and deals because of their TikTok productivity. I think that that's a very, very big aspect. And I think that the coolest thing about this for me is that it's not as much about the players signing contracts at their schools, but it it is more of a free market and mm-hmm. these players do have the freedom to move around. And now they're going to be more factors other than just the blue bloods in college basketball. And I think that it's, it's an awesome opportunity for every college around the country and for every college athlete around the country, because whether it be like a small local college town restaurant or big brands like boost mobile Crocs spirit, you know, whatever, everybody is having the opportunity to capitalize on their talent on their athletic ability, which in the past was something that you could only really capitalize off of after college by making money professionally. And and what's interesting, so Illinois, it's banned for high school athletes to have NIL deals. But if you're a high school athlete in a state that actually allows NIL and you're a huge athlete already, you can sign right now. And you were just telling me that there's a kid, a five-star athlete that yeah. just signed. Yeah, Jared McCain, he's a uh, five-star guard in the class of 2023, just signed an NIL deal with Crocs last week. (laughs) And uh, he's actually really, really big on TikTok. So I think that TikTok is a common denominator here because whether it be male athletes or female athletes, the ones that are the biggest on TikTok are the ones that are doing the best with NIL, so far at least. Interesting. All right, let's jump in. We we went really long, so let's um, do some quick predictions on your side because I know you love this time of year. (laughs) Love this time of year. Um, I did want to say that I got somewhat the prediction right about baseball starting without games being canceled. Um, so I just wanted to say that at long last. Um, I have my bracket right here next with me, next to me. So prediction number one, I'm going to say that all four five seeds lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So that is Houston losing to UAB, Iowa losing to Richmond, Connecticut losing to New Mexico State, and St. Mary's losing to Wyoming because Indiana's not making it to that game. All Um, right. So that's prediction number one. Prediction number two, I'm going to say that the White Sox are actually not going to break the bank. They're not going to do anything. The current roster where it stands, probably what we're going to see on opening day, just because the uncertainties with the lockout, with the 40-man roster is kind of a mess right now. Um, But yesterday, the White Sox signed Joe Kelly, uh, Josh Harrison, and Vince Velasquez. Third one didn't really make a whole lot of sense, but all three are going to be on the opening day roster. I think that'll probably do it for the off-season additions. Probably. Exactly. At least until the trade deadline in season, see what they need and yeah. the plug holes there. Yep. Had there not been a lockout, maybe it'd be a different story. But that is a different story for a different time. Reaction number three. Um, I am going to say that the Bulls go on a little bit of a run now that Alex Caruso's back. Lonzo Ball will be back soon. Patrick Williams will be back. 
I think that the Bulls are going to start beating teams over 500. They still have not beat a team that is in the top four of playoff seeding in either the East or West. I think the statistic is they're like 0-17 on the season now. Um, I think that's going to stop. Alex Crusoe came back last night. He's physical. He's a big difference maker on defense. So is Lonzo Ball. So is Patrick Williams. Bulls going up. Playoff time is near. Okay. I do actually have some final thoughts. So my final thoughts are please stop stealing other people's headlines and their time in the limelight, especially for guys who have already own more than 15 seconds of fame. I'm talking to you, Aaron Rodgers. You were going to retire. You threatened it. Oh, no, wait, $200 million? Oh, yes, I love Green Bay. I'm coming back. So that kept you in the headlines for a good week. Two hours later, Russell Wilson was traded by the Seahawks to Denver. So everyone switched their attention to Russell Wilson and where's his place among today's quarterbacks in the NFL. Oh, no, wait, who's that tweet from? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he wanted to make sure everyone realized that his deal wasn't quite signed just yet so that everyone could start speculating back and forth why Aaron Rodgers hasn't signed yet. What does it have to do with? And Russell Wilson, sorry, your 15 seconds right there went to about 13. That on Sunday, the biggest day for college basketball players, Selection Sunday. Everyone's got their brackets out. Everyone's waiting with bated breath on who is going to be left out, who's going to be a lower seed, who's going to get left playing where and what. And wait, what do you say? Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Move over, amateur basketball players. Um, Tom Brady is talking. He would like to tweet out that he's returning for another season in Tampa He was always returning. He's not finished yet. He's going to make the announcement himself. But you see, Tom, this is why you leave it to the marketing experts. You don't take away the spotlight from the college basketball players on their biggest day of the year just to let everyone know that you're coming back, which everyone thought you probably would anyway. (laughs) Listen, I love the ending to that, Bob. I get unretiring. Hello, ESPN 1000. (laughs) Peggy Kaczynski here. Uh, I get it. I love me some Tom Brady. But NFL quarterbacks, you guys are acting like prom queens after prom and saying, please don't forget about me. I was prom queen. We won't forget about you. You play the biggest sport in the United States every Sunday. Just Get off social media in the offseason. Please give us a break. Give the amateurs their opportunity. Although now that the amateurs are making millions of dollars on social media... Anyways, so Jason, tell our tell our fans what they can do if they like this episode. Well, if you like this episode, you can like, rate, and subscribe. We really appreciate if you do that. You can also watch our other episodes on YouTube. You can listen to them on Spotify, uh, StreamYard, Podbean, Apple Music, literally anywhere you can get your podcasting. Uh, we do somewhat prefer YouTube right now, so you can see our faces as we're doing the show. See the nice background in Florida. See our living room and mom's background. So, yeah, that's what you can do if you like our show. And you can also buy merch. Merchandise is available on our website, www.thesportscasterandherson.com. 
don't forget, you have to like us and follow us so that and you find out when. A, oh, yeah, we do need the ratings, too. Um, that way you find out when a new episode drops. And so you want to know that. Um, go check out the past ones as well. Uh, check out my other show on YouTube, which is called Pass the Mic on the Podbean Network. We highlight women in sports. And uh, I want to thank Darren Heitner for joining us. And you can follow him on Twitter at Darren Heitner or at UF Law as well. Thank you to Adam Yoffe, our Sultan of Sound, and to Eldo Gandia and the Barroom Network. Don't forget to check us out. Please follow us. Tell your friends. Um, check out the NCAA tournament. Have fun with it. And you know what? Fill out the women's bracket, too, because lots of companies are now putting up some really good money, six figures, in some of the challenges, the bracket challenges, when it comes to women's basketball, too. So that's all I got for this episode, Jason. Thank you for taking the time on your spring break to join us. Of course. All right. Bye, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. So long. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. And by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.